chest. Instinctively, he put up his hands. The piece was facing backward, with the muzzle pointing up towards her chin, and Anna had to spin the piece to fit it into her hand. But she was frantic, and in that moment three things happened at once. Pritchard stepped backwards and stumbled on the edge of the rattan rug. Behind him, the door burst open and someone gave a cry, and Anna, half-turned at the noise, started forwards and shot herself in the breast. The report from the small gun was hollow, even unremarkable, like the cracking of a topsail far above a deck. It seemed an echo of itself, as if the real shot had fired somewhere much further away and this noise was just a copy. Stupidly, Pritchard wheeled about, turning his back on Anna to confront the figure at the door. His mind felt full of fog. He registered in some distant way that the man who had just entered was Aubert Gascoigne, the new clerk at the magistrate's court. Pritchard did not know Gascoigne at all well. Some three weeks ago the clerk had come to his laboratory, seeking to fill a prescription for a bowel complaint. Absurdly, Pritchard thought of that now. He wondered whether his tincture had helped the other man as he had promised it would. For the briefest second, nobody moved. Or perhaps no time passed at all. Then Gasquin roared an oath, started forward and fell upon the body of the whore. He wrenched her head back, and the pistol clattered to the side. But the white of her neck was unscarred. There was no blood, and she was breathing. Her hands flew to her throat. You fool! You fool! Gasquin shouted. There was a sob in his voice. He grabbed her tattered collar with both hands and ripped it open. Blank cartridge, was it? Wax pellet, was it? Thought you'd give us all another scare. What the devil do you think you're playing at? Anna's hand was moving over her breast, her fingers touching and tapping in confusion. Her eyes were wide. Pritchard said, A blank. He leant down and picked up the pistol. The barrel was hot and the smell of gunpowder was in the air, but he could see no spent casing and no hole anywhere. The wall behind Anna was plastered and smooth, just as it had been a second ago. The two men looked about, at the walls, at the floor, at Anna. The whore looked down at her breast. Pritchard held the pistol out, letting it dangle foolishly from his index finger, and Gasquin took it up. Deftly he snapped open the barrel and peered into the breech. Then he turned on Anna. Who loaded this piece? he demanded. I did it myself, Anna said, bewildered. I can show you the spares. Show me, show me the spares. She clambered up and went to the whatnot beside the bed. After a moment she returned with a tin box in which seven cartridges were rolling on a scrap of brown paper. Gasquin touched them with his finger. Then he passed the pistol to the whore. Do it just as you did. The very same. Anna nodded dumbly. She pivoted the barrel sideways and fitted a cartridge into the breech. She then snapped the barrel back correctly, cocked the piece, and handed the loaded pistol back to him. She looked terrified, Pritchard thought. Dumbfounded, mechanical. Gasquin took the pistol from her, stepped back several paces, leveled the piece, and fired at the headboard of her bed. The report sounded just as it had before. This time Pritchard heard a murmur of alarm from the floor below and rapid footsteps, and they all looked to the spot where he had fired. A perfect hole, 
darkened slightly at its edges by the heat, pierced the center of her pillow. A puff of feathered dust had risen up from the stuffing, and as they watched, floated down in a film of gauze. Gascoigne moved forward and tossed the pillow aside. With his fingers he felt around the headboard of the bed, just as Anna had felt around her neck for injury, and after a moment he gave a grunt of satisfaction. It's there, Pritchard said. Hardly made a scratch, Gascoigne said, testing the depth of the hole with the end of his finger. Those muff pistols, they're not worth much. But where? Pritchard was at a loss. His tongue felt thick in his mouth. What happened to the first? said Gascoigne, echoing him. They all stared at the second cartridge, the visible cartridge misshapen in his hand. Then Gascoigne looked at Anna, and Anna at Gascoigne, and it seemed to Pritchard that a look of understanding passed between them. What a wretched thing it was to behold one's whore exchanging glances with another man. Pritchard wanted to despise her, but he could not. He felt dulled, even bewildered. There was a ringing in his ears. Anna turned to him. Will you go downstairs, she said. Tell Edgar I was playing with the gun, or cleaning it, and it went off by accident. He isn't at the desk, Pritchard said. Tell the valet, then. Just make it known. I don't want anybody coming up. I don't want any fuss. Please do it. All right, I will, Pritchard said. And then... And then you should go. Anna was firm. I want what I came for. He spoke quietly, glancing sideways at Gascoigne, but the other man's eyes were discreetly lowered. I can't help you, Joseph. I don't have what you want. Please go. He looked into her eyes again. They were green, with a thick rind of darkness around the edge of the iris, and flecks of pebbled grey clustered around the pupil in rays. It had been months since he had seen the colour in her eyes, since he had seen her pupil as a point, a grain, and not as a blurred disk of blackness dulled with sleep. She was sober. Of this he had no doubt at all. So she was a liar, and maybe even a thief. So she was deceiving him. And her appointment, the man Gascoigne. There was another secret, another lie. Going with a lady to look at hats. But Pritchard found that he could not renew his anger. He felt ashamed. He felt as though it had been he who had intruded, as though it had been he who had disturbed an intimate scene in the whore's own chambers between Anna and Gascoigne. The shame Pritchard felt was of a very crude and childish sort. It came upon him as a rush of bitter feeling swelling in his throat. At last, he turned on his heel and made to leave. In the doorway, he reached back for the handle to pull the door shut behind him, but he did it slowly and watched them through the narrowing crack. Gascoigne began moving just before the door was quite closed. He spun towards Anna and opened his arms for an embrace, and Anna fell into him, her pale cheek rising to fit into the curve of his neck. Gascoigne wrapped his arms strongly about her waist, and Anna's body went limp. He lifted her, so that her toes trailed on the floor. She was clasped against him. He lowered his head and pressed his cheek against her hair. His jaw was clenched. His eyes